What's going on, everybody? My name is Zach. I am a fourth-year medical student at the Wake Forest School of Medicine, and you are listening to the Rad Ed Podcast. Let's jump right in. Alright, so if this episode does not fascinate you, I don't know what will. This episode is a good example of one of the reasons that I find radiology so much fun and so intellectually stimulating. So we're going to go through all of the main imaging modalities that you will see um, no matter what stage in training and no matter what specialty you really go into. And so let's dive right in. So the first are radiographs. So this is the term for x-rays. And for radiographs, these, we all know what x-rays are. We've probably seen them. This is where we shoot an x-ray beam, which is a form of ionizing radiation through the patient, and it hits a film behind the patient, and this produces an image. And so based on the different densities of structures that the patient has, we will get different colors on the film, which will show us the contrast between different structures. And so we now, the technology has evolved to where we no longer have to hang up actual films and let them dry and use chemicals. We can see this digitally. And so we have this photosensitive plate behind the patient and we shoot the x-ray beams through them and then we that plate is processed by an electronic reader to be stored digitally. And if you've been on the wards, you'll know if you want to open up imaging to look at for your patient, you use the PACS system, P-A-C-S. And that stands for Picture Archiving Communications and Storage System. And so that's related to that digital storage system from the imaging data. And so an x-ray, that's the same thing as a radiograph. You might also hear it called a plain film. This is just, it's called a plain film because there's no contrast material given. It's just a raw film based on the different structures in the body. And the advantage of this modality is it's very available. Um, X-rays are very, very available. They're not too expensive. They can be portable, and so you'll often see in the ED, in the emergency department, people will come into the um, emergency department and they have portable x-ray machines that they can wheel over to the patient and snap quick pictures of the ribs and hips to look for any fractures. And so the disadvantages are these images have pretty limited detail. They use radiation as well, so we want to be cautious in situations um, where you know pregnant women, for example, where the fetus is at risk for um teratogenicity from the radiation and so you'll use an x-ray what do we use x-rays for there are so many uses you'll commonly see them used for the chest so looking at pneumonias pneumothorax which is where the lung kind of collapses away from the chest wall you might see an x-ray performed to the abdomen looking for free air under the diaphragm which could be a sign of bowel perforation and the best thing that x-rays really are used for is probably bony visualization looking for fractures or signs of degenerative disease. Uh, it really does great at imaging the bones. Our next modality, um, actually before we move to CT scans, it's important, um, a CT scan, which stands for computerized tomography, is really just a 360 view of x-ray. So you take a machine that takes a whole lot of series of x-ray images as it rotates around the patient in different planes and films. And so an x-ray and a CT scan, the images will actually look similar in the sense that air will show up as black and that's because air absorbs the least amount of x-ray so it passes all the way through air and hits the film so air will show up as black on an x-ray and ct bone will show up as white so your bone is very dense 
and the calcium in that bone is what's really responsible for that density. And so that will show up, it absorbs the most x-rays and it'll show up as bright white. And then the brightest white you could possibly see on an x-ray would be metal. So if you see something that is just solid white, that's probably a foreign body object like sometimes bullets um, or magnets. And then fat and soft tissues like muscle will appear in between. So they won't be black, they won't be white, they'll kind of be a different shade of gray. And so as we move into CT scan, um, CT scans are important to understand the positioning of the patient. This is something that I, for some reason, struggled to wrap my head around. When you look at a CT scan, you're looking at, let's say you're looking at a cross section to where it's a transverse axial cross section view. You are looking at the patient as if you're looking up from their feet. And so the left side of your image is the patient's right and you are looking at the patient along an inferosuperior axis. And that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I always, for some reason, wanted to look at the CT scan as if I was looking at the patient's head from the top down, but you're actually looking from the bottom up, and that's very important because it changes what's on your right and left. So make sure you work through that when you look at these. CT scans, you may hear of the term Hounsfield units. So these are just the units of measurement on CT scans. So water is zero, and anything less than zero is going to be less dense than water. So water is zero, air, for example, is negative 1,000, and then anything more dense than water will show up in the positive Hounsfield unit range, such as bone, which is in between 400, 600 Hounsfield units. And then you have fat, which is in between negative 40 to negative 100, and then your soft tissues of muscle in between 20 and 100. And that is an important concept because we can use this thing called windowing where we can narrow the range of Hounsfield units that show up and that can give us a very optimal window or setting of views to look at certain structures. For example, if we really wanna look at the bones and really get great detail and resolution of the bone, we can narrow our window to that 400 to 600 range or you know, a little bit before that, a little bit after that, and you can create a bone window that gives you the most optimal settings to visualize the bones. We can do the same thing with the lungs to create a lung window. So the advantage of a CT scan, it's greater detail than an X-ray, but it's still not the best. So it still has limited soft tissue detail, and the disadvantage is it's more radiation. You're shooting a whole lot of X-ray beams at the patient, and they're more expensive as well. Uh, where will you see CT scans used? You'll often see them used in the emergency department. Um, you'll probably answer a test question as non-contrast head CT for what is the best imaging modality for strokes. I mean, that just gives a good visualization of blood in the brain. You often see CT scans used for traumas and they can do 3D reformats. This is just the gold standard widely used exam to look at all kinds of different organ systems and pathologies. Things like kidney stones, appendicitis, and so our next, moving on to our next modality, ultrasound. We've all probably heard of ultrasound, maybe had some experience with it. Ultrasound is unique in the sense that it actually does not use uh, radiation. So that's one of its advantages. It's less expensive, very available, no radiation. The way that ultrasound works, it's really interesting. You actually shoot sound waves at the patient's body in different structures. And based on the sound waves that bounce back to the probe, you can visualize the different structures. And so... This is great for gallstones, breast masses, thyroid nodules, and we, it's great for pregnancy. And um, you can also use this mode on it called Doppler flow, which is where it will actually pick up motion of blood flow. And so you'll see colors on the screen. So red will show up, meaning that blood is flowing towards you, towards the probe. And then the blue color would indicate blood is flowing away from the probe if you wanted to assess vascular structures. 
And so the disadvantage is to ultrasound, it is very operator dependent. There are a lot of settings on the machine that you kind of have to get right. And it takes a, a great deal of technique and experience to obtain these certain images with the right views and um, positioning. And then another disadvantage is it is pretty low resolution. And so if we have a breast mast, it will give us a great sense of, oh, this breast mass is showing up completely black, whereas if it shows up more gray, then that might suggest that it's more solid in its internal composition. And then we get to MRI. So MRI, this uses magnetic fields and radio waves to affect hydrogen atoms in different tissues. And so it's very fascinating physics that we can jump into in another episode. But this, this modality gives you the best resolution it is absolutely outstanding, um, and there's no radiation involved. The disadvantage is it's very expensive, it's very time-consuming, and there are special precautions that you may need to take with your patient depending on their circumstances. For example, if they have a pacemaker. Um, I remember on my internal medicine rotation, you know, we had a patient with a pacemaker who had altered mental status, and we really needed to get them in for a MRI of the brain. And there, I remember being there some pushback or conflict with scheduling since they had a pacemaker. We had to get them in a certain type of protocol and situation. So you have to consider that when thinking about is MRI best for my patient. And so what do we use MRI for? So again, brain imaging, like I mentioned, looking at things like multiple sclerosis, um, looking at soft tissues. The MRI does a great job looking at muscles, tendons, ligaments, herniated discs, spinal cord pathologies. The MRI does a great job at giving us resolution for these things. And then our next modality is fluoroscopy. This is probably something you don't really hear about unless you, know, you spend a lot of time in GI or maybe on a radiology rotation. Fluoroscopy is using X-ray ionizing radiation, but in real time. So think of like a live video of using the X-rays. And so you, you've probably heard of an esophagram maybe. This is where you can actually give uh, barium contrast to a patient they can drink it and swallow it and on an x-ray film that will show up as black and so that can give you an outline of the structure of something like the esophagus we could also use this for what's called avoiding cystourethrogram and so we can give the patient this um, dye or contrast material and then they can use the bathroom um, and we can get a good visualization of their bladder and urethra to look at the urinary tract and then your interventional radiology guys will use fluoroscopy um, all the time on a day-to-day basis to do things such as angiography where they look at the blood vessels and do embolectomies and coils and all those fancy things. So the advantages to fluoroscopy, it's mobile. Um, you have guidance for procedures and it's very dynamic. But the disadvantage is this is one of the highest doses of radiation that you can get because you're, you're almost getting a non-ending uh, continuous supply of radiation in order to get a video-like image. And then our last one, this one is super interesting to me. A lot of physics, if you enjoyed physics, you would love this little subspecialty of radiology, nuclear medicine. And so nuclear medicine uses radioactive substances. These are elements on the periodic table, throwback to high school chemistry, organic chemistry, elements that emit radiation as they decay. And so we can utilize that as um, a principle to get these images where we can couple these radioactive substances with a drug that will accumulate in certain tissues. And then we have different types of scans that we can kind of reformat. So you've probably heard of a PET scan. A PET scan stands for positron emission tomography. And that is a scan where we use radioactive glucose. And then we have another scan, the single photon emission commuted, computed tomography. Excuse me. That's also called a SPECT scan, S-P-E-C-T. That uses a gamma or radiation camera to acquire images from different angles to create this 3D map. 
And so the, the underlying principle here is these two modalities will, we will give a radioactive substance coupled with a um, drug that will accumulate in certain tissues. And then the key is different organs will use these different substances differently. For example, the brain loves glucose. And so you might get some um, hyper or hyper metabolic activity in the brain from it uptaking this radioactive glucose. And you can see that by it'll fluoresce on these images and show up as bright. Fluoresce might not be the right term because this isn't fluoroscopy, but you'll see a brighter color on the scan. And another example would be the thyroid. So the thyroid loves iodine. So we can do a nuclear medicine scan to give a radioactive substance and the thyroid will uptake it. And we can see if there's an area that's more active than others for if there's a tumor, for example, that's just um, not using any iodine at all, or if there's a goiter or a cyst or something that may be using a lot of iodine. And so again, yeah, this is used, nuclear medicine is used a ton for cancer imaging. Um, you can look at the bones, for example, and doing a bone scan to look for bone metastases. And that's another good use of nuclear medicine is assessing for metastases of cancer. And then, um, you know, another factoid about nuclear medicine it does use less radiation than CT scans. And I found that interesting when reading about this subject. But you must use caution with radiation exposure via shielding and appropriate timing with nuclear medicine because we're giving patients radioactive substances. And so there are different timelines of the substances decaying and emitting radiation. And so it's important for health professionals to use proper shielding, things like a thyroid shield and lead gowns and things like that. Um, and then also when we send the patient out back into the public, you know, are, are they walking around emitting radiation to everyone? So you, you need to obviously think about those and there are certain protocols in place for that. So, all right, that is a jam-packed episode. That should give you a really good understanding of the different imaging modalities that you are likely to encounter that radiologists deal with on a daily basis. I hope this episode helped you guys out. The references will be in the show notes on listennotes.com. And we will look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode.